Wow. Okay. So, yes. Can you believe that they've never had a box of Pentecostal to tick before? Um, so we really need to do that this year in the census so that uh, we next year we won't have to worry. Next time we have a census, we won't have to worry about it. Uh, so good morning, church. It's really great to have you uh, part of uh, what we're doing today. And uh, why don't you jump on the Facebook uh, page, the Strong, Strong Nation Church page, and say hello to one another. Just greet each other with brotherly and sisterly love and much affection um, and uh, let each other know that you're you're all together in this even though we can't be physically together today. I just want to give a few shout outs because we've had some birthdays. Uh, in fact, August is crazy busy for birthdays. I went to buy gift wrapping paper the other day and it was just cleaned out. So yeah, August is a busy month and uh, apparently there is a baby boom going on again this August. So <laughs> look out. Um, but we've got some kids that have had birthdays in this month and we've got um, Abigail who's turned six so happy birthday sweetheart and we've got Alexander and Hope that have turned two can you believe the twins are two unbelievable already um, and Ramy has turned three which is I'm still getting over that and uh, <laughs> we uh, wish you all a very happy birthday and we love you heaps um, kids and uh, yeah so we'll just keep giving birthday shout outs as soon as we we know that they're coming. So, um, and just a, rem a reminder, kids and parents, that uh, we've got a new snacks episode that's that's been out this week. And so, if you haven't seen that, please jump on, have a look on YouTube, or follow the links uh, that we provide on in, in the Strong Nation Church uh, page, and uh, you can check that out. So, yeah, um, I hope you're all doing. Ho hope you're all doing well. <laughs> all the kids, all the parents, all the mums and dads homeschooling out there. Uh, yeah, God bless you. <laughs> so uh, I get to continue uh, with the, the um, theme of the kingdom. What, a, what an amazing theme. And, uh, and so I, I get to share a few points, uh, a few thoughts with you. And I feel like I've got a real word from God today. So, um, so the title of my message is, What? remains what remains so if you're a, if you're note takers there's the title of my message i've been uh, thinking a lot about what we will be left with when all of this is over when the covid dust finally settles what will we be left with i've had some real concerns and i'm sure you share those concerns about what we're going to look like, especially when we're under instructions to not speak to your neighbour or visit your family or um, drop a meal into grandma, apparently. Um, and, you know, the just concerns about uh, what, what we will be on the other side of this when we're, we're kind of so paranoid about, uh, you know, being around other people and you know, very, very concerned. And, and so my, my heart's been definitely troubled about that. And I've been asking myself that question and asking the Lord that question, God, what remains? What will remain of, of us as a nation? Um, this is not the Australia that I, I recognise. What, what is going to remain? And I just really felt like he began to minister to my own heart. And I, I want to minister to your hearts on that very thought today. So I want to read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. It says, At that time his voice shook the earth. 
But now He has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I love how the message puts it. I want to read this to you in the message version. It says, So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time he's told us that this quite plainly, he'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, from stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and He won't quit until it's all cleansed. God Himself is fire. Wow. Amazing. What remains is an unshakable kingdom. And I, I have to tell you, I started to get excited as I read this because I'm feeling shaken. I'm, I'm living just like you are with the fallout of the shaking that is happening on the earth. And, and yet I started to feel excited because uh, there is something good to look forward to. There is something amazing on the other side of this. Something remains. The Bible tells us that very clearly. Something remains and it's the kingdom which is unshakable. And if we belong to Him, if we belong to the Lord, if we belong to His kingdom, we have this guarantee that something incredible remains even after a great time of shaking. Uh, You know, I think sometimes as we kind of plot the trajectory of the events around us, all we can see is doom and gloom. Especially there's always a new variant around the corner. You know, when, what, what happens next? <laughs> um, you know, you, you sort of plot, plot the tra- trajectory and it doesn't look great. But actually, our God works with a different sense of scale. And, uh, and in fact, it's during these apocalyptic times that there is an unveiling, a revealing of those things. And so we can, we can get a little excited. I've been doing a lot of work in my rose garden. It's that time of year. And uh, I've had years where I've put in a lot of work and other years where I haven't, and it does show. Uh, and, uh, and this year I've been I've had got all, all this time at home so I've definitely been spending a lot more time in there and I've been pruning the roses and feeding them and uh, you know spraying them for black spot and uh, sprinkling the dust around for the for the ants and just uh, really giving them a lot of attention in fact we we whipped down to swains before the lockdowns happened bought some swanky new roses and I've got them in my garden and I'm I'm just I'm so excited about my rose garden this year I've got 20 rose bushes 20 rose bushes to look after and um, 
and they're, they're pretty cute. But I've got to tell you, every year when I'm pruning in the rose garden, God is teaching me something. It's amazing. And, and I know many of you are really experiencing nature in a new way during this lockdown because, you know, we, we're sort of counting the blessings that we have and uh, we, we, we're stopping and we're noticing and I tell you, all the birds that have moved into my yard are just amazing. It really is incredible. And God speaks to us through his creation in, in really powerful ways. And so I'm pruning away in the rose garden and I'm getting more analogies and, uh, you know, just metaphors for life as I'm, as I'm pruning away. But it occurred to me that when I'm pruning, I'm not looking at what I'm cutting off. I'm looking at what remains. I'm looking at the shape that remains uh, you know, I'm, I'm removing branches that look perfectly healthy and, and good. But, but what I'm looking at is the rose bush that will remain, that will grow well into the next season. You know, I'm creating my little wine glass shape in the, in the uh, branches and removing branches that look like they might grow into each other once this season really gets established. And, you know, I'm just taking all of that. And I'm, so I'm asking myself, what needs to be removed so that my rose garden can flourish and, and I think that this is, this is the thing about a shaking. This is the thing about that refining fire of God, that the idea that he's not just uh, sitting idle on the, on the sidelines. He's actually actively involved in our lives, in our world, in our, in our communities, pruning the things that need to be removed so that what remains can flourish and thrive. And it's incredible to think that in such a horrible season like the one we're in with, it, with COVID, that, that God is actually doing something for us to thrive and flourish. Amazing thought that he's actually actively at work in us so that we can thrive and flourish. So what, what needs to remain when this is all over, when restrictions and lockdowns are over and the debates on vaccinations are over and when we stop tuning in at 11am for the latest croakings of doom, what remains for us when all that is over? Well, I think, I think we've got a few clues from Scripture about what it looks like, uh, about what should remain. Jesus spoke in John 15, 16. He says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So Jesus sets up this picture that, that he's, what he's going to give us as we abide in him, as we draw close to him, as we you know, hide our life in him, what, what is going to remain is fruit that doesn't spoil, it's fruit that lasts. And then he, he follows that on with this command. He says, these things I command you that you love one another. I want you to know that love is a, an attribute of the kingdom that should remain when all the shaking is over, when all is said and done. It's echoed again in First Peter 1. I, I love this, this group of verses here. He says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. Amazing thoughts that Peter 
Peter kind of works us through, you know, this brotherly love that comes from this imperishable kingdom, this that we're born into, that we're born again into this kingdom, this beautiful, pure-hearted brotherly love that comes from this, that is that is brought to life through the living and abiding Word, the Word that lives within us. And, and this Word <laughs> that remains forever, this Word is good news. It's good news. There's a good news story that is, that is stirring in our, in our very spirits. At any, at any moment, on any given day, there is good news within us because we're part of the kingdom. And loving one another is a true measure of the kingdom at work within us. Now, I'm, I'm a practical girl. Uh, so I can give you some abstract thoughts, but then I, I really, I'm, an, I'm, I'm someone who likes to put it on the ground. So I was thinking, how does this really look? What does it look like for love to remain in this time of shaking? And I thought, well, right now there's some pretty hot debate out there over the whole vaccination stuff. So let's just get practical for a minute. Let's get practical. Over the last 18 months, we have seen some of the most divisive things happening in our, in our world. A year ago, there was the question of, do I black out my screen on social media in support for Black Lives Matter or do I just quietly and respectfully uh, remain silent while I watch what is happening in my world and pray for it? Uh, It was a real dividing line that was happening in our world. Now we've got this incredible dividing line that's emerging over, over vaccinations. And these issues are not simple issues, simple issues, of sin and righteousness. They don't tick that box. <laughs> There's no sin or righteousness answer to these questions that, that come up around, should I be vaccinated? Should I not be vaccinated? I want to suggest to you that if love is what remains, when a brother makes a different stance on this and chooses a different path, will we love them? Will we love them? Will we honour them for who they are in Christ? Will we you know, allow them to pursue what they feel is going to give glory to God. Or we vilify them. Will we vilify them because it's not the stance that we've taken? I think this is truly something that we as the body of Christ, as the believers, as the church on the earth, we're being shaken like the rest of the world. But what should remain for us is this incredible love for one another. There are very clear issues of sin and righteousness that we have to address. And the Bible does tell us pretty clearly we're supposed to remain accountable to one another in, in all of those things. But, but we're not talking about issues of sin and righteousness. I, I want to I ask us, when the smoke clears, will love for one another be something that remains? 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says these words. He says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. We, we want that to be something that remains when, when the dust has settled. Our true and honest, pure love for one another. And I'll tell you, the more we abide in Him, the more love we will feel for one another. So love should remain. Love should remain. And what else should remain? Well, Paul's given us a little hint that faith and hope should also remain. So let's have a look at those. You know, faith is, um, faith is so much like a muscle. I've had a frozen shoulder for about a year now. 
and uh, and I can tell you that m the muscles in my arms have so sort of atrophied <laughs> because of l lack of use and I now have to work with a physio to try and get some strength back into my arm because I haven't been able to use it. It's just been so painful. Uh, but faith is so much like a muscle. It's meant to be used. It's meant to have some resistance. Muscles only grow and develop and get bigger with a bit of resistance. They need, they need that. And so our faith actually needs resistance. You know, sometimes we think I'm, I'm under attack. You may not be under attack. You may just be in the gym <laughs> having a big workout on your faith because faith needs resistance in order to grow. And we don't often put ourselves in a position of needing it. You know, we live in unprecedented, affluent times. We live in a world where most of us don't have to think about our next meal or the roof over our head. You know, we've, we've got an awful lot of food security, an awful lot of housing security. Uh, I know that there are exceptions to that rule, but you know, most of us, are, we, don't, we don't have to think too much about the clothes on our, our back or you know, the, the things that we need. We, can, we have access to those things. And, and so we're often not in a position of really needing to exercise our faith. Well, guess what? We're in a position of needing to exercise our faith <laughs> in this time of shaking. And what remains should be our faith. <laughs> you know, James uh, chapter 1 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Faith produces something that remains. <laughs> our perfection, our completeness, our abundance, our provision, these things are kingdom things and they're produced when our faith is tested and when our faith triumphs. In First Peter it says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's uh, tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love what it says in the message. So I'm going to read that in the message. It says, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved gold. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of His victory. Just think about that. God wants to put our faith on display. It's more valuable to Him than gold. He wants our faith on display as evidence of His victory. Hallelujah. Our faith glorifies God. It testifies to God, you know, and it's faith that remains right now being tested for sure. And we don't really know what victory looks like on the other side, perhaps, uh, because we've never sort of gone through the years like these uh, but you know, when fear and frustration threaten to drown us, it's turning our trust to the Lord, knowing that He has a plan in all of this for us, trusting Him that will cause our faith to grow and faith will remain when all this is over. You know, we're being asked to put our faith in an awful lot of things, science, medicine, vaccines, government. They're all very earthly things not without agendas, 
But I tell you, God's agenda for you is only pure. It's only for your good. His plans for us, as Jeremiah tells us, are to prosper us. Plans for good, plans for a hope. That's what God has for us. Our faith needs to be totally in Him in this season. Let faith remain. When the dust has settled, let our faith have grown. Have grown. Let, it, let it be like a muscle that has become, you know, like Dwayne the Rock. Yeah. Watched him last night in Jungle Cruise. Anyway, I do digress. Okay, finally, hope remains. Hope. There's an awful lot that's happening in the world that's troubling me. As I opened with. And I'm wondering, you know, what freedoms we will have learned to live without when all this is over. I'm concerned that our community spirit has taken such a bashing. Will it take a long time to restore? I'm concerned about what our young adults are going through. Our teens, our year 12 students. I'm concerned about how our little ones are going to see the world because these formative years have just been so, so bizarre for them. I'm concerned about how we're going to perceive the military and the police when all this is over. But you know what? I guard against despair because hope remains. Hope remains. I felt, felt like the Holy Spirit took me back to one of my favourite stories in the Bible and it's the story of Joseph. Gosh, I love that story. You know, Joseph knew he had a destiny as a young boy, he knew that God had something for him. And yet uh, he, his path just seemed to completely deviate from what, what seemed to be the right path. To be uh, taken by his brothers and sold into slavery and taken to Egypt and put in Potiphar's house as a servant. And then to be accused badly, you know, uh, it was like hashtag Me Too movement back then, Potiphar's wife. And uh, it gets thrown in jail and, uh, you know, and it just looks so bleak. It, like nothing about his circumstances spoke of some kind of rise to fame, some trajectory of success of, you know, great, some great career, some, some great standing. No, nothing, nothing was speaking to that. And yet he became the second most powerful man in Egypt saved Egypt and saved the surrounding nations and ultimately saved his very own family. And when his family came to Egypt for grain in the midst of the famine, starving, you know, desperate, and they realised that it's Joseph who's in charge of it all, they're quite scared for their life. But Joseph says this to them in Genesis 50. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. This is the trajectory of God. It doesn't look like a human trajectory. Where he wants to take us, you know, where, where the natural circumstances seem to lead us to a dark place, a place of doom and gloom, a, you know, a, a very... Um, worrying kind of future. God's like, that's not my future for you. And I'm in charge. So guess what? (laughs) 
Romans 8 is one of my favourite scriptures and Rick used to speak it over me all the time until it's been sort of tattooed in my brain. Romans 8, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Hey, church, we're going to be okay because hope remains. (laughs) The natural trajectory of events might be hard for us to ignore, but God has no problem ignoring them. He's got a plan of His own. (laughs) Right now, you might be without work. I want to say this, speak this over you today. Something good is coming. Your business might be suffering. Something good is coming. You might be struggling with the isolation. Guess what? Something good is coming. You might be wondering what's going to happen to your career, to your future, with interrupted studies. Something good is coming. We need to be like Joseph and know that his story, his story was pointing to a a God end, not a human end. And so is ours. Hope remains. When all is being shaken, our hope remains because our hope is in the right thing. It is in the right thing. Uh, Rick and I read a book a few years ago called The Fourth Turning. I know we've mentioned it before. Uh, Fascinating, fascinating insight into history and into the cycles of generations. Uh, And uh, it was actually published back in the 90s um, by a couple of historians, uh, Strauss and Howe, I believe their names were. And they, they looked at hundreds of years of history and they noticed these uh, every sort of four generations or you know, four, four lots of 20-odd years, roughly, that there was a, a change in the mood, a change in the economic climate, a change in the social climate, just a change in the mood. There were different things happening on the earth and, and, uh, and they, they noticed that uh, at the end... Of, of the four generations, there was this, the fourth cycle was, a, was one of crisis. I guess you know which one we're in. Uh, I don't, kind of probably don't need to point that out. The last time we were in a crisis cycle was between the Wall Street crash and culminating in the end of World War II. And here we are, we are in a crisis cycle, a crisis generation. No surprise. Uh, maybe we can take some immense hope and relief from the fact that what comes out of the crisis generation is a high cycle. It's a high cycle. It's where things are renewed. There's optimism. Uh, There's incredible recovery. There's a return to traditional values. The family becomes important again. All of these beautiful things that that come out of a crisis generation. I want to tell you that the crisis generation that we're in now is forging the heroes that will lead us into that high. Are you one of them? Are we going to be that church? Are we going to be those heroes that rise with a fresh optimism? Because we're going to lead our families, lead our communities, lead our nation into a high cycle. I would kind of like to think that Jesus might return any day now, but chances are we are going to have to see our country through this cycle and into the next. And who knows how many cycles before the Lord returns? I don't know. Happy for you to come home any day now, Lord Jesus. <laughs> 
But if our hope is in the Lord and His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, hey, we have got cause for hope and optimism about our future. Lots of optimism. And I want to encourage you to let hope remain in your hearts today for the future because good things are coming. And this season, this cycle, this generation is forging in us and in our children and in our grandchildren. It's forging in them what it will take to lead us into the next generation. So let's have some cause for hope. Let's have some cause for optimism about the future because we have great power to speak good things over our nation, over our neighbourhood, over our family. We have the power to speak good things. I just wonder what might be birthed in the heart of your children in the midst of this. What might be birthed in their heart that sees an incredible generation thrive and flourish? We're right there. We're right there. I guess it feels like me putting manure on my rose garden. The COVID season definitely feels like manure. But I'm telling you that thriving and flourishing is around the corner in spring because of that. And I believe that we can have great hope in our future, even in the midst of what feels like a very concerning time. There was nothing in Joseph's story that pointed to his end, really. Nothing, nothing but a dream that he had. But God was in charge. And I want you to know that God is in control. He is in control of your life. He is in control of what is happening on the planet. Nothing, nothing is happening outside of his awareness. He is, he is still on the throne. He is so sovereign over all. And I want you to know he's sovereign over your life. So, so ask him, Lord, what needs to remain in me? When, when all of this is done, what needs to be pruned away so that what remains can flourish and thrive? Because I believe that the answers to those questions are powerful and can change the world. So what are you preparing your heart for? I'm going to finish up now and I just want to pray for you. What are you preparing your heart for? What are you preparing your children's heart for? I, I, want, to, I want to believe that what can remain right now is something that is going to give incredible glory to God. So let me, let me just pray for you. Father God, just so grateful for you. Lord, that our faith in you would, would be like a trophy on display, a trophy that speaks to your victory. Lord, I just speak that victory over every life right now, over your church, over your people. I speak that victory over them. You call, you've caused us to triumph. And so, Lord God, I pray that even as we are experiencing the shaking, God, that we would, we would rise up, the kingdom within us would rise up. Lord, that love would be rich. Faith would be rich when proven. That hope would be rich in us, Lord God. That the kingdom will remain and flourish within us and around us. And we just give it all to your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm done. But, you know, 
I might be done, but church continues. So have a fantastic week and we love you. We're praying for you and uh, just, uh, just really believing the blessing of God on your, on your home, on your family. In Jesus' mighty name. See you guys. See you next week.